Welcome to Dramas with a Side of Kimchi, the fangirl party every drama fan wants to join. Grab your kimchi and face masks and let's chat Asian dramas. I'm Carrie the Mockney. And I'm Kay Muse. Don't forget that we have a Patreon page. We have monthly episodes we release exclusively for our patrons. You can find the link in your show notes. This is especially exciting for those of you because December we usually take a hiatus because we all have a crap ton of kids and a crap ton of events and it gets crazy in December. (laughs) So So true. We have a new Patreon in December and then of course we have our Christmas gift to our listeners. But other than that, there will be no new episodes. So this is the perfect time to go get that Patreon uh, account and catch up on all of the mini episodes we have backlogged there. It's a it's a lot of fun. And not to mention, you can also come on our Discord server where we chat daily about the dramas we're watching. We participate in group watches and support each other in our drama addiction. And of course, we'd love to have you join us. And our current group watch, just in time for the holidays, I've made that crack more than once and I don't care, I'm going to keep making it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we are watching Come and Hug Me. And it's it's a phenomenal layered angsty drama that is perfect to um, balance out the overly bright and joyful lights of the holiday. Something like that. Yes. I think it's funny that we always go really dark during the holiday season. I think our group watch was White Christmas last year, mm-hmm. which as you all know, has nothing to do with Christmas and everything to do with serial killers and teenage angst. So, you know, we like to go in a unexpected direction, but there's also a lot of positives. That's just our group watch. Yes. Yes. And, and honestly, that's just your influence around the holidays. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for today, we are going to discuss the new, the relatively new drama love is for suckers. Um, Starring Chase Siwon, I can do this, and Idahi. So let's just jump into the synopsis from my drama list. Yuyorum is a television producer in the 10th year of her professional career. Although she works harder than most producers, the shows she makes all seem to flop. Then she's selected to produce a new dating themed reality TV show called Kingdom of Love. Her neighbor and best friend of 20 years is Park Jae Hoon a plastic surgeon who has lost all his passion for work. Their relationship is close, but purely platonic. Park Jae-hoon is jaded by his experiences and has also essentially given up on love. As such, he only ever pursues casual relationships. I didn't even see that. He's just kind of in his hidey hole. But anyway, in the planning stage of the show's production, Go Yurum runs into struggles, having difficulty finding suitable bachelors to appear on the program. She eventually turns to Jae-hoon in desperation. To help her, he agrees to be a, a com- to become a contestant on the show. But this unfamiliar new dynamic as a producer and a cast member, and oh, in that new dynamic, it's good not to skip words. <laughs> they they unexpectedly begin developing never felt before romantic feelings. Will Kingdom of Love turn friends into lovers? Okay, yeah. that that's a fine synopsis. Yeah, I mean, there's a few parts where I'm like that's not exactly on point but for the most part it was a pretty good synopsis yeah again it's a my drama list synopsis so sometimes those can be a little bit far off but this one wasn't bad yeah and it's fairly accurate yeah and as usual the first part of this episode will be spoiler free but after the bell there was never a bell (laughs) (laughs) but afterwards we will be going into spoilers and of course we will give you amped warning before that happens 
so you are not shocked and suddenly upset. And we will be discussing events through episodes one through 10. So if this is something that you don't want to be spoiled on, go watch the episodes first before listening to the second half of this podcast. So you've been warned. Okay. First <laughs> as question. clearly as possible, you have been warned. <laughs> Why did we start this drama? And I specifically started it because of the leads. I'm a real huge fan of Shuan and Dahi, and they have had a lot of really good characters. I think they're both actors that don't get enough credit often, and I wanted to support their new drama, and so I gave it a try. And then you roped me into it, <laughs> which was fine. I was on the fence about it. I wasn't sure. The title is kind of off-putting because Love is for Suckers just sounds like a depressing rom-com. And that's really not what this is. It's definitely a romance, but there, it's more of a character study as well. And so I was happy to play catch up and binge it in order to, to join this podcast. And binging it actually helped me get a better sense of the relationship between Yorum and Jaehoon. Because they, I mean, it really is 20 years that they've been friends and they are really solid. And so I got a really good sense of the story and a sense of how their world works, you know, like all their supporting characters. And it just, it was a good way to really get started. And now I'm invested. Well, so. I don't think I would even classify this as a rom-com. It's not a romantic comedy. It's more of a dramatic romance because mm -hmm. there is a lot of character depth there's a lot of emotional turmoil that happens um very realistic emotional turmoil nothing that's makjong and over the top at all and so it definitely is full of friendships and really solid romance developing feelings between various people and so there aren't all the hijinks I was expecting with that being a story about a reality show <laughs> I was expecting a lot more hijinks but I am very satisfied with what we have gotten would you say this counts as a melodrama I don't think there's enough mokshang for it even to be a melodrama okay. it's kind of like right in the middle of just drama and I would just call it a romance because it is about romance but there's no comedy there's no mokshang it's just a story about two people possibly falling in love I mean we haven't gotten to the end yet but <laughs> we'll see what happens yes and we will be there for the ride because it's a ride all right so Chase Wan is playing a beta male lead are we liking this role for him Okay, I have to say yes. And I know I mentioned it in the What We're Watching podcast this last week, but he's normally he's got kind of this, when he's got a comedic role, he's got this kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge edge to him that makes him makes you very aware that he knows that he's playing tongue in cheek. And to see him, there is, like we said, there's no comedy. And so he is fully committed to this very layered role that includes depression, that includes just, disappointments and he's handling it and it's he's got depth and he's doing a fabulous job with it and I really like him as this sort of beta male lead because it's showing a different side to him that makes me want more I agree I 
I feel like all of his charisma is coming through in spades, but there isn't that comedic edge that we're used to seeing. He does comedy really well. He's mm-hmm. very charismatic, very comedic. Um, a lot of times in the past, he hasn't always had the sensitivity to do like the more serious characters, but I think he has really progressed over the years as a leading man. And obviously he can pull it off now and I'm really enjoying it. He is like such a catch. You see him being just kind and a decent human being and you're like, who would not fall in love with that? And he has everyone swooning over him, everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's obvious why he's just a good guy who's a decent human being who's really hot (laughs) and that works for everybody 100 percent. so the show begins and the premise is that uh dahi is kind of like the spinster that's on the shelf i know we're (laughs) supposed to believe that she cannot get a man Um, and that it isn't her choice to be single. In fact, she uh, tends to be looking in love in all the wrong places and is a little bit on the desperate side. And my question is, are we supposed to believe that in what world is Dahi single voluntarily? And, you know, yeah, it's just <laughs> a little crazy. And I understand that... Um, Korean culture it's definitely maybe a negative to be single it's not as I would say progressive in places or at least in tv where Mm -hmm. being single and having a career and being a powerful woman without a man by her side is acceptable and you obviously see her feeling this kind of um, pressure to get married and it's interesting it is. And I think it actually leads her into some terrible decisions because of it. And I'm just wondering if that's kind of an echo of what's happening to powerful single women in Korea who who are still feeling this pressure to form a family. But um, I mean, looks wise, yes, I, I would be shocked that she's still single. But given the story's layout and the fact that she's been in this platonic friendship for so many years, I could see where maybe guys would be insecure and not willing to commit to someone who's best friends with another guy. Well, I'm not even sure that is the complete issue because again, she's dating chef John Mm. and that's not the issue. It's more her age. That is a problem with him. And he's a little shallow in the beginning, (laughs) a Um, little, but even with her fiance and stuff, I think just she has she picks bad men <laughs> to put her basket in. She doesn't, she's not looking for the gem that's right next to her. And um, obviously they've had their moments in the past, but it just hasn't ever seemed to work out with the timing. And it's just kind of like, huh, all right. But I, I do think it is interesting that maybe that's making a statement that it's hard to be single in Korea. I, I don't know. Cause again, you know, seeing, all of this on TV is probably very different than how it actually is in the country. But if you're someone who is in the know, that'd be interesting for you to send us a little note, whether this is a realistic problem or not. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. It's just a different leading lady 
background than we have seen, especially for someone who is renowned for how pretty she is. Mm-hmm. So. Cause like, it's very obvious why Kong PD is still single. She's a little sharp, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot. Sharp. She, she's a little scary. <laughs> very much. She's um, she's a character. We'll discuss more of that in the spoiler section. Yeah. All right. So in general, what is our favorite aspect of the show? Um, I'd have to say right now, I am loving the depth of friendships among the characters because in addition to our OTP or eventual OTP, they have a pair of married friends who also, they're very close and they kind of help, um, they help Yorum and Jaehoon navigate life. But, uh, what are their names? Dashik and his wife. They, it's, they've been married for a while. They've been friends with these two. I, I think they all went to high school together. Did they not? I believe so. And they're yeah. epic friends, like mm-hmm. epic, epic, epic. And so I just, I love their friendship. I love the OTP's friendship. I love the married couple's friendship. I love their friendships all around. They're just, it's a healthy support network. And it's, it's delightful to see that on TV and not worry about well, someone's going to betray someone because no, they're all they're all there to support each other. Yes, and we'll talk about the friends later on a little bit, but rarely have I seen a show when the friends get so much focus and they get fleshed out, and I'm really enjoying that aspect of the show as well. Um, another thing that I'm really enjoying, surprisingly, is seeing the behind the scenes of a reality show. It shows all of the the manipulations of events to create a narrative between fake couples and I'm finding it really fun to watch I'm enjoying the different personalities of the different production crew that are all connecting in to try to make the best show as well as an ethical show uh, which can be hard when you have different ideas on what is ethical when you're (laughs) You have a bunch of people who agreed to be on a reality show for whatever reason, whether it was to find love or it was to promote something or because your bestie asks you to do it. So there's a lot of different aspects that come into making this reality show. And they've done a very good job of really showing, well, reality. It's Mm -hmm. not all this snazzy stylized romance that I was kind of expecting everyone to like pair up and fall in love and you know it not to be very realistic but it talks into different ideas like bulimia or promoting your company or again just finding love and but having trauma and it's been a really great experience to see all how everything is meshed out and agreeing to manipulate the Yes. And there's like <laughs> agreeing to manipulating the narrative and yeah, just, yeah. It's interesting because like we know in reality to TV that we're getting a certain personality and it's not necessarily who the person is, but it's interesting to see behind the scenes that it's kind of an enhancement of who they are, but they're still surprising, um, surprising characteristics to those people. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was really vague, but it's hard to say without spoilers. <laughs> Yes, yes, it is. But that's a great aspect of this show that was unexpected. Mm -hmm. Again, I was expecting a lot more hijinks and romance and 
and awkward situations, but that's not what we've gotten. It's a lot more sincere, in-depth look into the reality of reality TV, which Mm -hmm. has been a pleasant surprise. Yes. Okay. We're going into spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Yep. Someday (laughs) we will find a sound that will actually come through because uh, whenever we try it in real life, it filters out as not (laughs) voice. And so it doesn't quite come through. Zoom is just super efficient at suppressing background noise. And I appreciate that up until I want my bell. Yes, yes. But I am also very glad that it doesn't always like sound my grandfather clock in the background. So I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah, all right. All right. Okay. Let's start with the biggest question. Do we believe that Jaehoon and Yarun have not hooked up yet? I mean, this is insane because we've seen flashbacks where they've been besties. They live next to each other. She's drunkenly macked on him in the past. (laughs) And he's obviously had emotional feelings for him that they've just kind of suppressed because of situations. There's no way in heavens that they would not have had a more meaningful connection before now. Maybe if it was only a couple of years, but 20 years, that is crazy. Yeah, see, I don't know. I, I can see it. The Okay, I guess what snags me is when he accidentally falls on her when they're setting up that mosquito net. And then at the beginning of the next episode, he hops off and he's just like, think holy thoughts, think holy thoughts. You know, he's obviously somewhere in his mind, he's drawn a line, whether he believes she's drawn it or whether he's drawn it. And he's not willing to cross it. And it comes across in his character throughout the rest of the show that he's just, he's sterling. So if he sticks to something, he's going to. And so if he's decided that he's not going to hook up with her. But see, I see that as a singular incident because that is in regards to his depression and him thinking he's not worthy of love. And that's only been a couple year situation that hasn't been a long-term situation. So in all those 20 years, I think that, they would have like had that moment. I'm not sure if I believe that the people that they are now are the people that would have made out when they're drunk and not followed through. So I don't know. That's my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. I I think they could have held back. And you know, if the timing was always wrong, if one or the other was in the relationship and I don't know, I could see where 20 years would pass and they would just kind of not happen. Especially if they're focused on their careers. Because, I mean, he was a doctor for a good portion of that. Yeah. Which means they were probably not around each other as much. And so, I don't know. I could believe it. I I could see it. (laughs) So, our couple, on the other hand, is constantly saving each other. So, let's talk about that a little bit. So, I'm thinking about, well, like their mutual bouts of depression. Like when she was just, he was always you know, living in the dark. And so after that incident at the hospital, and so she was always, she wasn't being all toxic positivity, but she was just bringing light in and just kind of being with him and helping him eat regularly, that kind of thing, and just brought him out of the dark. And then he did the same for her after her fiance, you know, her fiance's baby mama came and crashed the wedding. Well, I'd say he did it for her both times because it wasn't the only the one time. Well, yeah, I'm definitely there. Her, Yeah, he just he's always there to pick her up. And she's always she's been there for really big stuff to pick him up. 
when he will let her. That's probably the biggest thing that's holding them back is the fact that he doesn't always let her in. One of my favorite scenes was, I want to say it was maybe episode three. We get that flashback where it goes and we see him severely depressed, stuck in a room with curtains drawn. There's no, like, he's one step away from suicide, kind of depressed. And Mm -hmm. she just does not let him go. She's Mm -hmm. there. She's make checking in on him. She's making sure that, you know, again, as you said, he's fed. She opens the lights in his room. And not only that, but she finds him a apartment that is right above hers. So she can be there for him, um, like not too far away. And again, she opens the curtains and brings the light into his life again. And I would say she literally saves his life because that Mm -hmm. was a very dark depression. And it was such a great flashback scene that we got to show the strength of their friendship. And I loved it. It was really well done. And it makes sense now, you know, after seeing that, because you can kind of tell in the beginning that he's always turning towards her. But then you get that flashback and you realize that she is his light. And so he's always going to be centered around her. And that's, I like seeing that. And unfortunately, like for her, he's her support, but she doesn't quite click on beyond just a friend. She's mm-hmm. friend zoned him greatly. <laughs> yep. How she can friend zone someone that attractive, I don't know, but she has. <laughs> well, you know, she's single and attractive and has stayed single despite her best wishes. So yes, but he's on a different layer. layer. <laughs> like he... I remember I went and saw Super Junior perform in um, L.A. and I was shocked at how charismatic he was. Mm -hmm. Like he walks even with a whole bunch of other really attractive people. He stands out. So he's that extra level of charisma. So I don't know. (laughs) All right. So let's discuss one of the most hated men in drama land, also known as her scuzzy ex-fiance current fiance then ex-fiance again because oh he is the worst for those of you that have not watched he originally is her boyfriend who uh proposes they get engaged and then he decides that they are going to move to the united states without telling her instead of allowing her an input onto their situation he accepts a job in the u.s and expects her to dump her career and follow him behind him Uh, when she objects she breaks up with him and he leaves transfer up what three five years he is back he's decided he wants to marry her still she is she is the one of course he has not been uh, totally celibate this whole time because it turns out he has a baby mama who is 20 months or 20 weeks pregnant. And just as he is about to get married again without telling her about said baby, Yurum uh, finds out and then he's all like, well, I was going to tell you afterwards. So it is yet another exact same thing where he wanted to trap her first and then let her know these big events that are going to change her life. He is just the worst. The absolute worst. I hate him. He is so despicable. He There's is. not one good aspect about him. He's just the absolute worst. And it's just crazy because th- this actor, um, Song Jong-ho, he just does oily. Like, 
he it's not hard for him <laughs> and so to, for him to be the scuzzy ex as soon as he walked on the screen i'm like ah crap <laughs> i know but just the fact that he didn't want to tell her till after he had mm-hmm. her stuck and even when she confronts him it's 10 minutes till their wedding he says let's just go let's just go and we'll discuss this after like he has no interest in explaining himself or saying sorry like and again she says if you had discussed this with me we could have gone forward but because you didn't it's over and it's and a pattern it's a pattern yeah so she made she the, the right move is lucky she escaped while she could because man he is the worst <laughs> oh yeah no all the red flags with that one and i can see and again you know going back to her spinsterhood i could see where she was when he came back from new york and he was like i still love you i could see where she would kind of be interested and fall into it and they what they were engaged for like a month yeah, because yeah, he found a fast. place that could um, that they could get married right away if they said that they'd get married. So he was definitely strong holding her instead of waiting for her to think things through. He sent proposals to her work. So she was put on the spot. He mm-hmm. just was an all around scuzzy guy. And it, there were red flags everywhere. So. I am so glad that he was basically disappeared after the fourth episode because I don't think I could have taken much more of him. Yeah, no, he was pretty horrible. And again, she she pushed him away in a really well done way. She's like, no, we're done. No more chances. Get the heck out of here. And that was that. Hopefully that continues to be that. So, yeah, if he shows up in the last episode, I may throw things. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he needs to make things right with his baby mama and just, he needs therapy. Cause I think there's a little bit of narcissism or something going on there. Yeah. But it's not like narcissists get therapy, but anyway, let's move on. How about side characters? Do we have a favorite? And I've talked about them before and I will talk about them again. The married couple Park Dashik and Oh Hey Jin. They are just, ah, I love them so much. They're so good for each other. And it's not like they're boring vanilla angels. It's just that they have a good rapport with each other. They have a good rapport with Yorum and Jaehoon. And like there was in episode 10, Dashik calls uh, Yorum up because he knows that she's sad and she wants to go drinking with Jin. And he's like, look, Jin hasn't told you this, but we're doing IVF again and she can't drink alcohol and she doesn't want to tell you that she wants to be there for you and support you but if if she supports you and you guys go drinking together then that could ruin our chances again and so and he's like but she would never tell you because she doesn't want to give you that burden i may not have been episode 10 that might have been nine i was gonna say that's episode nine episode 10 is where he admits to his wife that he did say something and uh hygiene and uh, her bestie go to the spa and they discuss mm-hmm. the situation and, and they so, have it out yeah well and then and right before he sends her to the sauna with uh with your room he's like look you don't tell anybody anything you and we want to support you we want to help you with your problems and he points out that she says she's happy but then she'll go and cry in the bathroom and not tell him about it 
And he's just so kind and loving when he's delivering that. He's like, I just want to be there for you. And I want you to let your best friend in too, so that we can support you. And I'm just like, okay, he is husband of the year. Like that is exactly how you support someone. That's exactly how you say, Hey, this behavior is not working for you. Please let us help you. Well, and especially because this is an actor that usually plays the best friend doofus. Mm -hmm. And usually he doesn't get that kind of character development where there is layers or we usually don't get layers on the best friends that are being supportive anyway. They're just there to kind of have someone to play dialogue off of. But this time they get their own characteristics. They get their own kind of plot arc. And I'm really enjoying the difference in this drama from what we usually get in the typical romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. They're fully fleshed out. I think you said that before. They're just, they have their own rich, detailed lives. They're not placeholders. So another character that is fully fleshed out that I am loving is Kong Shari, who is plays more of the ruthless cutthroat producer on mm -hmm. Kingdom of Love. <laughs> she is known for maybe instigating some ethically gray areas in getting her show made. So it gets the ratings, but it maybe destroys some of uh, people's lives in the process. <laughs> and she does not care. She doesn't. She does not care. Uh, I mean, she's not someone that's going to go after you specifically and destroy your life. But if it comes across and it's in her best interest, She's going to always take the ratings. She's very cutthroat in her career. But she's also obviously a good person to have on your side. She's trying to mentor people in her own very brisk way. And we see a lot of that. And I love that dynamic. She's not just kind of the evil witch that you first think she's going to be. And I love how she and Yorum um, work together and kind of mesh into this easy middle ground where they get the drama, but it's not all ruining people's lives either. Mm -hmm. And she has flashes every once in a while where she actually does something kind. And it's, it's not totally out of character for her because like you said, she does it in a very brusque way, but she does, she takes care of her people in her own way and it's you only get glimpses but it's enough to make to salvage her and i love her barbed dialogues with jehoon they play off each other so well and just like fire like snarky bombs at each other and mm -hmm. it's always so fun to see them kind of snark at each other it's, i think she has a little bit of a crush currently going on him <laughs> well, and she's again who wouldn't because he is <laughs> a snack that's all well, I can say. And, and she says she has cravings. So, you know, if he's a yes. piece of meat, she's hungry. I don't think anything is going to happen there or it's going to go deeper. But obviously, she can approve of how awesome he is as well. So, <laughs> let's see. Uh, do we enjoy the inside look into the production of reality TV? We've kind of already discussed that. But mm -hmm. which scenes stood out? I think some of the scenes that have really stood out is looking into maybe the characters or the participants that are more world savvy and know what they're trying to get from this show. 
compared to the ones that are maybe looking for love. There's a definite half and half in this. And you see the ones that are looking for love are a lot more open and open to dialogue and discussing their inner depths without realizing that they're going to be on TV. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really an interesting look into that because we again see one of the the girls who is the webtoon artist uh names G something Jihan Jihan yes she's a webtoon artist and she's looking for her first relationship and she came on a dating reality show for some <laughs> odd reason but she doesn't understand quite all of the dynamics and how fake this is because she goes on a date and admits that she has been um, molested by a relative on her date on TV. And so it's an ethical question on it. Can this get aired or not? And of course, you know, our producers all like it's fair game. She knew she signed, but when it comes down to it, she was trying to be, um, be, real with the person that she was kind of interested in and admitting to situations without the savvy of knowing that this is going to be manipulated and used. And unfortunately, the guy that she was interested in uh, had no such compunctions because he wanted to be part of good TV. (laughs) And so there was this whole hoopla about that. And I thought that really summed it up well as well as the ethical issues that the producers have, where do they use it? Do they not use it? Where are you going to have that line? And seeing the different producers line in the sand of what they feel is ethical and not. So there's been a lot of really great moments like that that we've seen. And, you know, the moments of, oh, well, we're going to manipulate the situation to make it look like it's something it's not. Um And that's happened in lesser forms a couple of times. And I thought that it's been very interesting how they've done that. Yeah, it has. It's, you can kind of see Kong PD's brain just churning. Oh, and I got the character's name wrong. It's Jiwon, not Jihan. Okay, Jiwon. Jiwon. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's one of those things that kind of is hard for me to watch is to see those who are in it sincerely being manipulated and and Kong PD just saying, oh, this is more fodder for me to use. But like she does it, like you said, your room and Kong PD are starting to balance each other out. And so she's she your room is softening Kong PD's cutthroat edge a little bit. Which I wonder if that happens in real life or if some overarching director is like, no, I will take the the rating stuff i don't know i don't know enough about reality tv to get a sense for it like i haven't watched reality tv since like the second season of survivor so it's been a while <laughs> i try to avoid well i avoid the um dating shows because they are so fake and made up mm-hmm. so i'm not interested in becoming invested in a showmance and so i'm good <laughs> yeah <laughs> And so, and I don't think about these things, like I've never been interested in things like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette because it does feel fake. And plus who falls in love in front of a camera? I don't well, know. And who's going to be okay with their future husband, like having sex with three other women before he decides you're the best. I yeah. mean, that's kind of ew. Like that, ew. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's just so much ew. <laughs> yeah. And I just, 
it, it kind of does feel like a cattle market both sides. Yeah. So, but it's just, it is interesting to see those set up and the cameras and like how they get, it is, the characters are getting used to the cameras. Like they're starting to interact more normally and ignoring the cameras. In fact, I think Jaehoon at some point tells Kong PD that he's like, yeah, I don't see him anymore. And she's like, yeah, that, that happens. Alrighty. So our second lead girl, whose name I can never remember, it's like Ji Yoon, something like that. It's really yeah. close to Jaehoon. It's Ji Yoon. Ji Yoon. All right. Do we like her or is she annoying? And I think the only reason it, she's annoying is because she's not the OTP. You know, she's not in game. Well, I feel bad because I wish Drama Geek was coming here because she's <laughs> a lot more pro second lead girl. Mm-hmm. On one hand, I really appreciate that she's been very upfront with her feelings and emotions and her needs. But at the other hand, it's like, it's week 10. You're still like pining for this guy. And at what point do you just give up? You know? Oh, yeah. And I know in episode nine and 10, uh, our two our OTP has kind of had a falling out so he's paying a lot more attention to her but we have to also remember it's like a week of TV this is not like it's been a long time he's recovered he's told her multiple times that he's not interested that he's in love with someone else but she's still there just hoping to pick up the pieces or change his mind I just feel that that's a little too needy for my personality and it's getting to the point where it's kind of like uh, I mean again it's been a week not even a week since he like told her hey I'm in love with someone else when he was kissing the main girl that she saw mm-hmm. and now just because he's paid attention and like showmanced her a little bit she's ready to like pick out flower curtains and you know (laughs) their bridal wear and I'm it's just that kind of thing I'm like it's a little too desperate and too accepting of whatever crumbs he gives her and I don't yeah somebody needs to for as forthright and frank as she is with him she needs to do the same for herself and just realize he's not that into her yes and I know that he's charming but a lot of that is when the cameras are are rolling and I also think it's his fault too because he's using her as a fallback for his emotional trauma with main girl mm-hmm. with your room and now that he's upset with her and feels like she has betrayed him he's falling back to the comfort of well this girl likes me I'm going to you know get my warm fuzzies and feel like a not I'm not failing in life from this situation and he's not being honest anymore, I have a feeling. Because yeah. he's kind of leading her on a little. A and lot. I don't think he's doing it, like, cruelly. I mean, he's a nice guy. He's just being there and his nice guy self. But, you know, it's not it's not honest. He's, he's rebounding. He is. And unfortunately i'm not sure if secondly girl is smart enough not to realize that she's in a rebound situation so yeah it does feel like she's very inexperienced for as much as i know that we like that she's just very direct and it comes up more than once in her conversations with jaehoon he's like oh you're just gonna say that out there and yeah 
it's just I think part of her directness is just the fact that nobody's ever told her hey you need to be a little subtle or anything she just it kind of almost comes off as not quite mature yeah yeah and well and especially her clinginess and her refusal to take the no that kind of thing it's just like because she's not taking the no at all mm -mm. like because I mean he's told her no a couple of times now and not once has she really accepted it no she's just like yeah you don't really mean it I'll Which if this was mind. a if this was a guy girl situation, we'd be labeling that guy as a stalker and being like kick his butt to the curb. So yeah, and and again, I think again you said it. She's just immature. I don't think she's like an aggressive stalker per se. I think she's just immature and doesn't know how to protect her heart and know where to. Like maybe he will change his mind, but don't go all in in less than a week. Yeah, because that's just not the smartest decision on your part. So and I also kind of blame the lead girl, too, because in nine and ten, she doesn't spit out what's going on. She just kind of dithers and she's dodinking around and not bringing up what she's feeling or what the conversations that need to be happening are not happening mm -hmm. and she's just kind of sad and depressed over how the situation is developed into what it is and it's just like speak up you know use your words <laughs> it's, it's not like you haven't before with other people why are you being so hesitant right now and I know it's just for narrative but it's really like making me cranky <laughs> I don't blame you because that's one of my least favorite reasons for the separation of the couple is when they just won't talk to each other. Or it's like a just 10 minute faster. conversation. Like if he says you did this, blah, 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 blah. I never want to see you again. Speak up for yourself. He doesn't know the situation and you're mm -hmm. being an idiot. And keeping silent doesn't help anyone. No, so. no, it doesn't. So that's kind of where we're at at the end of episode 10. <laughs> He's gone after her right before the episode ends. So, I mean, I'm sure we're going to be hitting some shifting in the narrative, but oh my word. Yeah. So let's take a little turn here and play Kingdom of Love. With the cast, whom do we want to match with whom? We have the celebrity chef, John Jang. We have the gym owner, who's also the general. We have the forgettable guy and we have the dating app CEO on the men's team. And he's the, he's the jerk. Actually, there's a couple jerks, but anyway, he's the bigger jerk. And then on the women's team, we have the lawyer, we have the webtoon artist. We have the, I think she's an influencer. Yeah. And the Western arts professor. Oh, and the, uh, the weather girl. We have more. Yes. No, we should have five. Yeah. That, I only had four on there and the oh, weather girl. Okay to put this in so we know that the show has been manipulating things and trying to put certain couples together but who would we put together so like for me like the first one is the webtoon artist juan the the somewhat overweight girl i would put her with the general because their interests actually align a lot like they make that clear from the time that they're doing their self-introductions at the beginning of the show and it's just like you two would fit really well. And I know Drama Geek and I have actually talked about this. We're like, we're just waiting for them to see each other. And I'm really hoping that the show also sees it and does it because that would be very satisfying. <laughs> I'd hate for them not to. Well, 
And I think for me, I'm going to go with what it looks like the show is going to lean towards is Chef John and the Webtoon Girl, because I really loved their interactions in episodes nine and ten. Who knew? And I know that he's kind of smarmy. However, it looks like there is some depth underneath there and maybe it just needs the right woman to you know shift him into a different way of thinking and I think they have a really it was a really realistic and sincere connection in both episode and nine and ten and yeah that's I never thought I would say that but I think I'm gonna go for where it looks like they're going to move the narrative Yeah, okay, I did like that. (laughs) And all of the others are forgettable. I mean, there's the general guy, but he's just too one-note, and I don't want them to give her to a one-note character. And so... Okay, okay. You you sold me on the not one-note thing. And we had the great bromance stuff between Chef John and Jaehoon. It was really cute when he was, like, dude-broing him and saying... Yeah, negative comments suck. It means you're a celebrity now, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And when they had their moment with the jam. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, they're they giving to him the a lot room more where to go to rather than just the immature kid who was dating an older woman because he could, you know. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So are we talking about a growth arc for our chef? I know. Surprisingly, it's happening. I, I didn't see that coming from the beginning of the drama. I thought he was Me kind either. of a throwaway character. Well, and how realistic he was in knowing when he's getting used by the other girl. That's true. Well, you they kind of agreed really... to it. He and the weather girl, they kind of agreed to use each other. Yeah, but I don't think he was looking at it quite so cutthroat as she was. Mm-hmm. And, and just, you know, getting a little bit hurt that he put through all that effort into making a meal. She takes one bite and then vomits for the rest of the date. You know, that would be kind of like, and that that's going to go on national TV, possibly. That's kind Mm -hmm. of like a hard thing to take or that, you know, he's getting used just because he's more popular than him. And in reality, you know, you can say agree to it at the beginning, but it doesn't mean you can't feel like you're being used later on. Yeah, it's true. Oh, when they were at the pool and the weather girl was like, we should collaborate on YouTube. And he's like, tell me about your audience. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he's got like 650,000 followers and she's got like 120,000. So well, and clearly she's giving no like connecting. She's not trying to connect with him at all. And I feel like mm-hmm. he really is trying to connect with her or mm-hmm. he was. He was and, until he saw. And so it's, you know, a little bit of, and it's a natural organic connection he's having with the webtoon artist and that's awesome mm-hmm. and they were so much fun in the haunted house are we going to discuss the haunted house we should i think there's a section where we talk about our favorite moments okay yes we'll, the we'll talk best about competition it it's coming okay <laughs> yes because i have to talk about the haunted house because that was fun but anyway yep. first let's yeah let's go to your next question so we see what happened to jaehoon to create a spiral of depression was it justified? Oh, my word. That was like kind of traumatizing. It was. Uh, for those of you listening, he was in uh, the OR when there is an emergency, an explosion had happened, multiple casualties are coming in. 
Only one operating room is available and he has two patients, one that's more likely to survive than the other one, which most likely will die no matter what he does. So he chooses a young teenager to operate on, only finding out later that the other one that he did not operate on was his father and that his father died during that time while he was operating on the teenager. So just trauma. Like, yes, it is. There is no asking why he is so traumatized because I I don't know how you get past that without tons of therapy. Uh Uh-huh. Or ever, you know, really ever. You would never be fully relieved of the guilt of that situation, always thinking if I had done something different. Um, But needless to say, that is why he decided to quit his medical profession and not be a surgeon anymore. And it again, it comes out in the, um, what do you call it? In the comments for the show that he had killed Mm -hmm. someone and was fired, which isn't true. He hadn't killed anyone and he was not fired. Uh, but none of the truth had come forth out. It was put out by someone who was jealous of his, um, popularity. Mm -hmm. And so the way the, the show in the show, uh, (laughs) takes care of it is the teenager actually comes forth. He says he will go on and explain everything that happened. And we get this, uh, epically touching scene of the, child thanking Jehun for saving his life at the sacrifice that happened and that he's going to become a doctor to put, pass all of this forward to others in need and it's just like I'm like tearing up it was it was emotional it was it was a really strong way to resolve that I was a little angry at your room for allowing this to happen without pre-warning Jehun because they went to the place that he always runs to when he's yeah when he needs to just kind of heal and but I can also see where she's been kind of bullied into the situation to begin with Mm -hmm. and their friendship is in a not the best place and she's not sure the reception it'd be anyway and to have him say no I'm not going to do this when it obviously would help with what's going on you know because I could say I'm saying no you know, I don't want this on air. I don't want to do this, even though it's would be in his best interest. Yep. And so it it had to be sincere. If she had warned him ahead of time, I don't think it would have been sincere, even if he'd said yes. Yeah. So, and so it, it, I thought it was done well. I was a little sad that it was second lead girl and not your room there with him. So, yeah, because at the beginning of the episode, we see her sitting next to him on the beach and just apologizing you know, for getting him on the show and like having all of this aired. But at the same time, her apology, even though it was in her head and wasn't actually happening, it was it felt like a self-serving apology. Like, I know she felt bad, but she was still using him to make herself feel better, even if it was just in her head. And so I think in a way it's like she it's not the right time for her to apologize it wasn't the right time because she's not ready yet she needs to be it's a complicated thing and I'm just trying to say that she she's not in a place to be as sincere as she needs to be because she's still not telling him that she's in love with him and that would be part of the apology I think I don't know I'm running a little deep on this but (laughs) 
there's still six episodes to go. It'll well, it'll be interesting to see where they take us. It will. But circling back, I think that yes, his depression was absolutely justified. And I think they played it out very, very well because we, you know, we saw his depression, we saw his journey before we knew exactly what happened. And I think that gradual reveal gave it a greater emotional impact. Exactly. Okay, now on to the happy stuff, or in other words, the haunted house that I've really been wanting to talk about. <laughs> so the best competition we've seen on the show so far, and would we play? So end of episode 10 was hilarious. It's not actually a haunted house. It's a haunted school. They find an abandoned school out in the countryside, and they, they decide to create a haunted house sort of date for the couples. And so they have this red string of fate competition where the couples are randomly assigned and of course, Jaehoon and Ji-yoon, the second lead, they end up together somehow. Which it didn't look manipulated, so who knows how that actually happened. But the other couples were entertaining. So we had Ji-won, our webtoon artist, and we had John Jang, our, our chef. They ended up together, going through together. And then we had the general, the general guy who's the gym owner. Who did mm. he go through with? Was it the lawyer? No, the lawyer was with the cussing the others guy. are forgettable. Well, okay, the general I liked because he took he took his partner through and his partner was just scared out of her mind and he was like high-fiving the ghosts and laughing with and the zombies. Thanking them like, for their work. Yes, and he was hilarious. I'm like, that is how you do a haunted house. Just because that's how I would want to handle it. And he was so funny. I mean, when the ghost came from the ceiling and he high-fived her, I lost it. So but nothing will beat the joy of seeing Chef John pass out because he is so <laughs> terrified oh, i mean and the poor was, guy it was All adorable he, it, it was, was adorable he just had been scared and scared and scared and juan is just like oh this is funny and she thanked them for their hard work too yeah and so yeah. you know she's looking around the room trying to finish their mission he loses his flashlight and he looks under the couch and then something pokes under the couch and scares him and he does he just flat out passes out but she was really nice about it. And mm -hmm. it's probably good that he was with her because I'm not sure the other girls would have been as nice. No, they probably so. would have ditched him. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really, it was a fun moment. And again, it totally pushed forward my favorite drama ship from the actual reality show. So I yes, enjoyed yes. it. That one was my favorite out of the competitions we've seen as well. So not that I don't appreciate all the abs that were on view in that first competition <laughs> but this one's better yes the wrestling was fun but the haunted house was better all right so do we have a favorite otp moment oh goodness i think i really loved when they were at the lake and discussing he was confessing to her mm -hmm. that was a really great moment because he said things that weren't like very it was all almost implied on both sides. And I really enjoyed how that worked. And there was such great eye acting and it was gorgeous and very swoony. So I like that scene. Yeah, that was a good scene. I actually liked the tent moment when they filmed them kissing because they, she finally fell into her feelings. She finally expressed herself and now she's been sitting on it for several episodes but I just would have liked if it wasn't in front of everybody I just felt like there was so much chaos that it took away from the moment it did so. but but it was the first step for her to admit that she she loves him as much as he loves her and now she's repressing it and so I kind of want to smack it out of her and be like girl you like him but yeah 
it will come. I will be patient. <laughs> so that leads into, will we continue watching? Yes, I will, because I will be patient. <laughs> I want to see yes, this out. And yes, of course I will. I'm enjoying the show a ton. And I'm also doing a positive blog recap for the blog. Mm-hmm. And Jenny has been joining me and Carrie's going to be joining us now that uh, she is all caught up. So if that's something that interests you, check out Dramas at uh, with a side of kimchi.com and every week on usually Saturday we do a our positive moments of the week and so we got tired of recapping shows and having to nitpick everything so we only talk about positive things that we enjoyed about the week's episodes so if this is something that you would be interested in be sure to come join us over there and check it out on that note thanks for joining us we'd love to hear what your thoughts about this episode you can reach us on twitter facebook through our patreon page the links are in our show notes we love blogging about asian dramas but behind the scenes we have so much more to say and we want to share it with you and talking is so much faster than typing